0: THE FISHERMAN AND THE GENIE Once, a young fisherman lived by a river. Each day he strung his nets across the rushing water, and each evening he came home with a basket full of plump silvery fish. But, on this particular day, he wasn't having much luck. Where are all the fish? he sighed, poking at the net full of muddy stones. Something glinted in the mud. A fish, he thought hopefully, but it wasn't. It was an old blue bottle, tightly sealed. I wonder what's in it. He shook it, but he couldn't hear anything. So he yanked out the cork and looked down the neck of the bottle. Still nothing. He was about to throw it away when smoke began pouring out, billowing and blowing into strange shapes. Two eyes, then a mouth. A genie, gasped the fisherman, backing away in terror. Yes, boomed the genie, and I've been trapped in that bottle for centuries. Now I'm longing for something to eat. You look tasty. His powerful hand reached out. Wait, cried the fisherman, thinking fast. Did you just come out of that bottle? Yes, snapped the genie. I don't believe it, said the fisherman. How on earth did you fit? I can do anything, said the genie. Look, I'll show you, and then I'll eat you. The genie whooshed back into the bottle, and the fisherman jammed in the cork. And there you'll stay, he told the bottle sternly, until you learn not to eat people. The End Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves Once upon a time, in a city in Persia, there lived two brothers, Kasim was a rich merchant, but Ali Baba was only a poor woodcutter. One day, Ali Baba was cutting wood in the forest when a band of 40 thieves, led by their captain Gamal, galloped past carrying bags bulging with gold. Ali Baba hid behind a tree and watched as Gamal walked up to a slab of rock and cried. Open sesame. Ali Baba blinked. In surprise, for a large secret door groaned open in the rock, and the thieves dashed in with their gold. When they came out again, empty-handed, Gamal called, Shut Sesame. The rock slid back, and they all rode away. Amazing, thought Ali Baba. Then he tried shouting, Open Sesame, just as Gamal had done. Once more, the door in the rock swung open to reveal a cave filled with treasures. Surely they won't miss a little gold. Surely they won't miss a little gold, Alibaba muttered, scooping up as many bags as he could carry. After he cried, shut sesame, he raced back to the city. His wife was thrilled to see the gold. She was ready to go to the market at once. Alibaba stopped her. "'We can't spend it right away,' he pointed out. "'People would wonder where it came from. "'And if the thieves ever found out that it was me, "'we could at least see how much we have,' said his wife. "'So she went to visit Cassim to borrow his scales. "'Why do you need our scales?' demanded Cassim's wife. "'Oh, to weigh grain,' Ali Baba's wife replied. "'She tried to look innocent, but Cassim's wife was suspicious.' "'Ali Baba is poor,' she said to herself. "'He would never have enough grain to measure.' Secretly, she greased the scales all over with butter. "'There,' she muttered, "'whatever Ali Baba weighs will stick.' Sure enough, when Ali Baba's wife returned the scales, Kasim's wife found a gold coin stuck underneath. Triumphantly, she sent Kasim to question his brother." Ali Baba couldn't lie, so he told Kasim about the cave and the password. Kasim's eyes lit up with greed. The next day, he drove ten donkeys laden with ten saddlebags to the rock, opened it, and went inside, closing the rock behind him. Kasim was entranced by the treasures in the cave. He gently packed up luxurious silks and seized strings of pearls, And ropes of rubies. He grabbed sapphires and rubies and fistful of diamonds, plundering every chest until his saddlebags were bursting. When he came to leave, he had completely forgotten the words to move the stone. Open up, he shouted. But of course the stone didn't move. Open barley, he cried in desperation. Open corn. Open chickpea. Nothing worked. Poor Kasim was stuck there until the thieves came back. When they saw him, they killed him on the spot. Kasim's wife was so worried when he didn't return that she asked Ali Baba for help. He searched everywhere for Cassim without success until he tried the cave, where he found his brother's body. Beside him with grief, he carried it home. No one must know how he died, Ali Baba told Cassim's widow, If the thieves hear, they'll know we discovered their secret, and they'll come after us. Together with Cassim's clever servant, Morgiana, he came up with a plan. That day, Morgiana went to buy medicine in the market, telling everyone that she spoke to that Cassim was sick. Over the next few days, she said he was getting worse. At last, she announced that he had died. Finally, he could be buried. After the funeral, Kasim's widow invited Ali Baba and his family to move in with her. "'I'm lonely without Kasim,' she said. "'We still have to keep our heads up,' Ali Baba told them all. "'We can't risk the thieves finding out we stole their treasure, "'and that means not using it for a while.'" The thieves, meanwhile, had discovered Kasim's body missing from the cave And were furious. Determined to discover who'd stolen them, they scoured the city, hot with vengeance. Death to he who knows our password, they vowed. Gamal told them to watch and wait. After a couple of weeks, Kasim's widow decided Ali Baba was being overly cautious. She liked to buy herself little treats, so she started to visit the market, spending some of the treasure Alibaba had stolen from the cave. One of the thieves recognized a necklace and reported back to Gamal, who laid his plans. He bought 39 oil jars and piled them outside of Alibaba's new home. Inside each jar, a thief was curled up. Only one jar was filled with oil. When you hear me throw a pebble, Gamal whispered to his thieves, that's our signal to attack. Then he knocked at the door. Please, can you help me, he asked. I'm here to sell oil in the market tomorrow, and I have nowhere to stay tonight. You're welcome to stay with us, offered Ali Baba, who didn't recognize Gamal in his guise as an oil seller. Cassim's wife was delighted to have a guest and ordered Morgiana to cook a grand meal for supper. Halfway through, Morgana ran out of oil. I'm sure the oil seller won't mind if I use his, she thought, dipping her jug into a jar. She was astonished when a hollow voice inside the jar said, Is this the signal, Gamal? Is it? echoed from every jar. Not yet, she replied in a deep voice, thinking quickly. Somehow the thieves had discovered them. That meant the oil merchant was probably the captain of the thieves himself. If she didn't act, the whole family would be attacked in their beds. She filled a large saucepan with oil, boiled it up with fire until it spat, then splashed it into each jar. One by one, the thieves died. Morgana went back inside to serve the meal and prepare for the most dangerous part of her plan. After dinner, she dressed up, placing bangles on her arms, draping a scarf over her shoulders, and finally tying a dagger around her waist. Would you like to see me dance? she asked the family. Ali Baba and his wife were puzzled, but Cassim's widow thought it was an excellent idea. Morgana began to spin, twirling gracefully, waving her arms above her head, getting faster and faster. At the height of her dance, she withdrew the dagger and stabbed Gamal to death. Ali Baba was horrified. What have you done, he cried. Look more closely at him, Morgana said. Ali Baba did, and gasped. Gamal. He was going to kill us all, explained Morgana. His thieves were hidden in the oil jars outside. Ali Baba and his family were so grateful to Morgana that they shared the thieves' treasure with her. Free to spend it as they wished, they all lived happily ever after. And the treasure cave and magic password were remembered in their family for generations, long after the treasure had been spent. The End Aladdin There was once a boy named Aladdin, After his father died, he and his mother had little money and never enough to eat. They had almost given up hope when a stranger knocked on their door. Greetings, he said. I'm Aladdin's long-lost uncle, Abanazar. I've been away and only just heard the news of my poor brother. I've come to set Aladdin up in business. Aladdin and his mother were so relieved to hear this, they didn't think to question it though neither had heard of Abon nazar In fact, he was a wicked magician who wanted a magic lamp and had read in his book that only Aladdin could help him. He took Aladdin to a deserted patch of ground outside the city. I have an errand for you, Abon nazar said. He lit a fire, scattering powder as he murmured strange words. Aladdin couldn't believe his eyes as the ground shimmered "'and a trapdoor appeared. "'There's a lamp down there,' said Iban-Nazar. "'I want you to bring it to me. "'As a reward, you may have this.' "'And he gave Aladdin a ring with a gleaming ruby. "'Yes,' he said to his uncle. "'He climbed down into a cave. "'It was dark and smelly and cold, "'and Aladdin didn't like it very much.' But he crept further, and soon found the lamp. As his eyes grew used to the darkness, he saw four rooms crammed with gold. Beyond them was a shining garden of trees, blossoming with glistening jewels. Quickly, he grabbed handfuls of treasure before hurrying back to the entrance. The moment he reappeared, Nazar bellowed, Where's my lamp? "'Please, may I come out?' said Aladdin, who didn't want to stay in the dark and murky cave. "'You didn't find it!' Abanazar yelled, and he slammed the door shut. Aladdin was terrified. Surely this cruel man couldn't really be his uncle. Shivering in the dark, he rubbed his hands to keep them warm. He didn't realize he was also rubbing the ring. A man loomed out of the darkness and Aladdin jumped back in shock. I am the genie of the ring. Your wish is my command. I want to go home, wailed Aladdin. In a flash, he found himself magically whisked back to his mother. She was thrilled with the jewels he'd brought, but she was not impressed with the lamp. Dirty old thing, she said. I'll sell it once I've cleaned it up. As she polished it, an enormous man appeared and announced, I am the genie of the lamp. Your wish is my command. Please give us food, Aladdin asked, laughing at his astonished mother. Instantly, a delicious feast was spread before them on solid silver plates. It lasted an entire week, and then Aladdin sold the plates in the market. With the money jingling in his pocket. He went for a stroll and saw the sultan's beautiful daughter, who was out with her ladies in waiting. The two exchanged smiles, and Aladdin instantly fell in love. I have to marry her, he told his mother, but she's a princess. Mother, I love her. Will you take the jewels I found to the sultan as a gift? Aladdin's mother hated to see him unhappy. So she showed the sultan the jewels these are from my son who wishes to marry the princess she said the sultan was thrilled lovely if he can produce forty trays of gold carried by eighty servants dressed in silk and jewels then my daughter is his aladdin rubbed his lamp and instantly the genie conjured up a procession of glittering treasure and servants marching to the palace aladdin and the princess were married and lived happily in a magnificent palace built with the magic of the lamp news of the wedding and aladdin's wealth reached aban nazar who plotted his revenge one morning when aladdin had gone aban nazar disguised himself as a merchant and walked up and down outside the palace new lamps for old he called new for old The princess heard him. Aladdin has an old, dirty lamp, she thought, and handed Abanazar her husband's precious lamp. Laughing with glee, Abanazar summoned the genie and had him use magic to send the palace to a distant desert, with the princess still inside. There, the princess was trapped, lonely and miserable, with only Abanazar for company she longed for aladdin aladdin was longing for her too he had come home to find his wife and palace missing and was devastated when he heard about the merchant he guessed what must have happened at once he summoned the genie of the ring take me to the princess aladdin commanded as he fell into his wife's arms he whispered we must be free of Nazar for good before he dines with you tonight, drop poison into his wine. The princess nodded. Secretly, she poured the poison, and by morning, Nazar was dead. Aladdin grabbed his lamp and flew his wife, the palace, and himself back home. In time, Aladdin and the princess had a baby, and his mother became a proud grandmother aladdin became the sultan and all lived happily ever after as for the lamp and the ring they were put away in a drawer and forgotten who knows someone might discover them again the genies are waiting the end sinbad the sailor sinbad the sailor was rich beyond his wildest dreams Travel and adventure had brought him all the wealth he could wish for. But Simbad felt restless. He wanted to see the world, find out how other men lived and explored their cities and islands. So he went to the market and bought silks and spices to trade. Then he joined a ship's crew and set out on the high seas. For days they sailed from island to island trading their goods. One day... They moored on an island covered in fruit trees. Sinbad lay down in the shade of the tree to take a nap. When he awoke, his ship had already set sail. Help, he cried, help. But there wasn't a soul to answer him. Simbad scrambled up a tree and saw that on one side there was nothing but sea. On the other, the empty island stretched out before him. Empty? but for one enormous white egg. Sinbad slid down the tree and crept over to look at the egg. As he studied it, the sun was blotted out by a bird as big as a cloud. A rock bird, recognized Sinbad, remembering Sailor's tales of a monstrous bird. The rock settled down to sit on its egg, and Sinbad planned his escape. He unwound the turban on his head and tied it around the leg of the bird. When it flies away, it'll take me with him, he thought. At first light of dawn, the rock rose up on its enormous wings and flew so high, Sinbad could no longer see the earth. He clung on tight, shutting his eyes until he felt the rock hit the ground with the bump. Sinbad quickly untied his turban just in time to see the bird snap up a terrifying snake in its jaws and fly off once more. Simbad groaned as he looked around. He was in a worse situation than before. Now he was trapped in a valley with steep sides. Dead sheep lay on the ground, and slithering towards him were snakes so big they could swallow an elephant. The snakes were sliding over sparkling jewels, that studded the dusty earth. Sinbad grabbed a few handfuls and stuffed them into his pockets, wondering how he would ever escape. More rock birds were circling above him. Every now and then, one would swoop down and grab a dead sheep in its vicious claws. Aha, thought Sinbad, whipping off his turban once again. He tied himself to a dead sheep and waited. Sure enough, down came a rock, grabbed the sheep, and they were off, Sinbad trailing along behind. As the rock bird flew over the ridge of the valley, a group of men raced towards it, waving their arms and forcing the rock to drop the sheep. Simbad undid himself and scrambled to one side, watching curiously as the men searched the sheep's fleece. What are you doing? He asked. "'We threw sheep into the valley, hoping to catch jewels in their fleece. "'Then we wait for the rock birds to bring them back up again. "'But how did you get here?' asked one of the men looking at Sinbad. "'Don't pretend you escaped from Snake Valley.' "'It's a long story,' said Sinbad. "'But I do have some jewels.' "'He pulled them out of his pocket. "'Will you take these for my passage home?' The men nodded, listening in amazement to Sinbad as he shared his tale of adventure and escape. The End